Welcome to the Here We Are, So Here We Go podcast with Pastor Mark Holman, helping you to apply faith to your everyday life. Pastor Mark is the senior pastor at the Log Church in Cross Lake, Minnesota, as well as the executive director of Faith at Home Ministries. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Here We Are, So Here We Go podcast. And um, as you know, every once in a while, I incorporate some guests into uh, these podcasts. And today is one of those days. And uh, and today is just going to be especially fun because um, what you're going to find is this is a conversation between friends. Um, Brad and I, uh, Brad Bullock is uh, 15 years or soon to be 15 years in ministry, uh, youth pastor, uh, 11 years at Pathway Community Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And Brad and I had a chance. I was kind of doing a consulting thing with them for almost three years. And so we got to work alongside each other too. And I've had a chance to be blessed by, to have with some great youth pastors, youth directors that I've had a chance to have on my teams and, and to work alongside and work with, but bar none. And I'm, I don't mean to offend my other youth pastors, but Brad is my favorite. Um, Brad has got something special uh, about just his whole passion for teens. Um, he's literally worked with thousands of teenagers. So let that sink in. When you start, when I started thinking about the numbers that he has had a chance to, to work with over this period of time, thousands of teenagers and their parents. And, but here's what you need to know that is at Brad's heartbeat. And I can say this without hesitation. His approach to youth ministry is ruthlessly committed to discipling teens. It's not about playing around with teens or playing games with teens. Or just, it is about making sure that these teenagers know, love, and follow Jesus and are growing in their relationship with Jesus. And he wants to take them on a journey where they, they own the faith for themselves. They understand it. They're committed to it. And they leave the, his youth ministry program more committed to Jesus than when they started. And it is something that he's he's incredible with his volunteers um, and setting kind of setting the tone and setting the course and direction for that, but equally committed to that. So that's his passion. It is it's youth ministry that's about discipling teens so that these teens truly have their own faith, their own that they they are committed to, and they're following Jesus with all their heart, soul, and strength. But he's also ruthlessly committed to engaging parents now in that journey, in his approach to youth ministry. It's been fun for me to watch that evolve with him. That was a role that God used me to play a little bit in his life, too, was to kind of inspire him in that direction, motivate a little bit. But then, to be honest, I've gotten out of his way, and I've watched God work through him. And now he's created a model in how he engages parents in youth ministry that we now showcase to other churches, uh, literally across the nation, across Canada. We did a podcast with Brad that was targeted towards youth directors where he shared that model, which um, is on our, our Faith at Home website. So, But we're not going to get into that today. What I just out of the blue thought, you know what, I'm going to see if Brad wants to, um, just from his experience, talk to us a little bit about sharing wisdom about teenagers today. What has he seen that's different and what is, where are they at today? What would parents love to know from, from a seasoned youth guy that has been working with thousands of teenagers over the last, you know, decade and a half has seen a lot of things. <laughs> he's seen a lot of, he's seen 
parenting done a lot of different ways. I just knew Brad would have a unique perspective. Now, one thing you need to understand, Brad is married and uh, has three children of his own. And so he's in the throes of this himself. But Brad, dude, thank you for for joining us for this podcast. And um, and one of the, I guess, maybe this is even maybe a new question that I just wanted to start with is that second half, everyone knows that a youth pastor is going to have a love for teenagers, right? I mean, and, and, and for them to want to make sure that teens know love and follow Christ. That's not, that's why a lot of us got into youth ministry. We didn't get into youth ministry because we just wanted to play with kids. It's because we wanted to disciple kids. We wanted to see them get on fire for Christ and follow Christ and so forth. But what has happened as far as this, why has engaging parents during the teen years become such a passion for you as well? Um, was it because, you know, you had such great, strong Christian parents yourself that you wanted everybody else to have that? I mean, I know your history there, but tell people a little bit, maybe even personally, because that way we'll get to know your history too, a little bit, your your personal upbringing and why parents, uh, the engagement of parents is is a big part of your approach to youth ministry as well. Yeah, for sure, Mark. First of all, thank you so much for inviting me to be part of the conversation here. And um, I'm just, I just so appreciate you and what God's called you to do. And so just really thank you for allowing me to, to just be able to share from my heart. Um, you know, I grew up, just looking at my background, I grew up in Northern Indiana in a non-Christian home with divorced parents and alcoholic father. And it was a great youth ministry that a friend invited me to because he said there are cute girls at this youth group. I mean, that is that is truthfully what got me involved in this youth group. And I was I got to be a part of something I didn't even expect where God was on the move. My heart was touched. Uh, I remember when I was first invited uh, by the youth pastor to, to come on this mission trip that they were doing. I had no idea what that was about. And I went and it just changed my life. So. I left my teenage years and went into my college years with uh, just a passion for youth ministry, what youth ministry can do in the lives of students and how it can, it, how it can change generation. And I haven't lost that passion, but uh, you know, along the way, as I got involved in youth ministry, something, uh, something significant and, and at first painful came into my, into my journey with students. Um, I remember two different times in my probably my first six years in youth ministry where I just felt so empty. I felt uh, I felt like things were plateauing in when it comes to what we were doing with students and what I was doing as a youth pastor. I felt like I was failing. I felt like uh, my ideas were bad. I mean, I just felt dry. And I remember a specific moment where I was I was in the church and we were getting ready for youth group and um, and a student ran in the doors to our church. And it was, a, it was a girl, she ran in and I was there, you know, doing my thing, greeting students. And she ran past me and she tackled her small group leader to the ground, tackled her to the ground. So excited to see her small group leader. And I looked at that and I said, I love that. I love that. And I got started me on this journey of structuring youth ministry in a way that supported and enhanced and equipped the key leaders that are in students' lives. And my next step on that journey, not that it's second in importance, but my next step on that journey was, Mark, when you came into my into my path and God brought you to our church, God put it on our senior pastor's heart to really explore this idea of faith at home and how important it is that parents are uh, helping and encouraging and that the home is the primary place where faith is lived and nurtured and 
And my eyes were open and I began to realize as a youth pastor, if I can help a student to have an incredible leader in their small group at church and an incredible leader in their home, I can see God do so much more than what he can do just through me. And it took years, and you know this, Mark, it took years to restructure my priorities in ministry, to, to re-strategize how do we do these things in a way that's realistic uh, when it comes to all that we're trying to do. How do we really structure a youth ministry program that involves incredible small group leaders and that really engages parents and helps them to win when it comes to discipleship and ministry in their home. And so I have just over the, over the kind of the second half, I would say, of my time in ministry have just lived and pursued passionately some of these values. And I really believe that the fruit that I've seen in this has been more long lasting, has been broader reaching and has been more impactful in the hearts of students. So now you're working with not just thousands of students, but you're certain around now you got these parents on your radar and here you are. So what have you learned or what would you like to say? Because now you're trying to build a bridge, right? Between what you know about students and where they're at. And of course, getting to know parents and you've started to see where they're at too. What would you say to parents today? What do you, that's one of the things I, that God just put on my heart. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get Brad to answer this one. Cause I, I even want to learn this one myself. Like, okay, what do parents need to know today from your perspective? Cause sometimes you, there are, there's a perspective you have that we don't always get as parents. Our teens will be, will say some things, will open up. What are some, th- some learnings that you have about teens and maybe even how things have changed over the last 10 years and where they're at today versus where it was 10 or 15 years ago. Give us some insights a little bit on the whole teen culture today and maybe some things parents need to know about teens today. Yeah, I think, man, I think my, first of all, my heart in a lot of ways is heavy for uh, for teens today and, and for the role that parents have in that. Um, and so many of these things aren't new. I think parents to, to some extent know a lot of these things, but the challenges that teens are facing are changing so drastically over the last 10 years. Um, the, the culture, the way technology and social media and all these things that, that we hear about, we talk about, you know, it's just been such has had such a dramatic impact. You know, you look at studies that were done on the one, one that really intrigued me was a study that was done on the, the um, overall just like satisfaction and, and uh, happiness in life for teenagers, so overall well-being of teenagers um, and how it dipped. Uh, I think it was in, in 2011, 2012, there was just this weird dip. It just went down. And it, the, the main thing that scientists uh, can attribute that to is that was when smartphones really came into play as a normal part of a teenager's life. And as soon as that happened, you know, the, the level of happiness um, and joy that teenagers felt went down. And our teenagers are still dealing with this. I think they're um, still struggling with, with and through and in the midst of a lot of these things. And my heart goes out to parents because it is really difficult. You know, for me, I'm 35 years old and um, I'm you know, from a different generation than our teenagers. I have a teenager now, my daughter's 13 years old and um, you know, what she's dealing with and the things that the students that I'm working with are dealing with are hard to understand. They're difficult for me to really 
um, really grasp. And I think so from a parent's perspective, I think it's, it can be hard to, to make sense of what is my teenager really experiencing out there in an increasingly digital world, online world, some of those things. Um, I think the mental health of our students is the thing that most concerns me right now, especially in the midst of this pandemic. It has really, really impacted the mental health of teenagers. And I have heard it said years ago, I actually think I heard this from Doug Fields, that a parent is only ever as happy as their most hurting child. And when you see your student, um, you know, shut away in their room, when you see their student increasingly, increasingly isolated from you and from others, when you're seeing your students so heavily influenced by things that you know are not godly and are not helpful, you know, that is really, um, that weighs so heavily on a parent's heart. And so, you know, that's my, that's my instant reaction is, you know, I see, um, I see a generation of students who are struggling in ways that we have never seen with mental health and um, with different uh, influences and um, pulls on their heart and their soul that are new and that are um, presenting unique challenges. Um, I am seeing uh, specifically with our young men an increasingly difficult time to help them to develop faith and to help them grow spiritually, to help them have a heart for God, to help them be vulnerable and open. Oh my goodness, that concerns me so much. And it concerns me for our young women because you know we see more women and that's been the case for a while, but it's increasingly a challenge. And, and for them someday to form great homes and to have strong families, you want your husband and, and the leader of that home and, and your kid's dad to have a strong faith. And so as a youth ministry, we're really trying to grapple with that. And we're trying to speak into the lives of parents who have young men in their home and just how important it is um, to really come around that and look for that. Uh, Mark, I don't know if you want me to go into this, uh, but as you talked about that, I have uh, several things that are on my heart that I believe I would want parents to, to know, not only about where their teens are at, but about what their teens need. And my, in my opinion from them, I don't claim to be a parenting expert, but just from what I'm seeing, um, is it okay if I walk through a few of those? That's, that's what I was, that's what we <laughs> want you to do. That's, that's why we're tapping into you because we just, it's insights that we're just gonna glean from. So fire away, my friend. Yeah, I, you know, I want to, I would start when it comes to what I'm seeing with students and, and in the home. And as I'm, as I'm talking with parents, I actually just had a really good conversation with a mom uh, two days ago, uh, dealing with issues with her son. Um, all parents need to start at the ground level with the most fundamental and core things that their student needs from them. And for some, some parents or even youth pastors that might listen in, some of these things are, they're things you know, but I think you have to hear and we have to remember um, the biggest thing that a student needs from his or her mom or dad is they need their parents to have a strong and thriving faith on their own. There is nothing a parent gives to their kids that is more valuable than the strength of their personal faith in Jesus. And so when I'm dealing with, uh, working with a parent who has a struggling teenager, um, like this, this mom that I talked to the other day, whose teenager is withdrawing from her and is going down the wrong road. The, the place she has to start, a dad has to start is with turning up the heat in their personal faith. And I think with that, um, is 
the I see the importance of parents who give their kids a strong marriage, who spend time together, husband and wife, who nurture that relationship. Now I know because I was born and grown in a home that was broken and divorced parents. I know that's not every parent's situation. I know there are a lot of parents who may be listening who have already gone through a divorce, have, have, are walking through some brokenness, maybe are not on the same page with their spouse spiritually. And so it's important, I think it's important for parents to hear these things that I'm saying are not things that are going to be perfect. But uh, to the best of our ability, if we can start by giving our kids a strong faith of being men and women and, and moms and dads who are in the word, who are just seeking Jesus. So much of the wisdom in the leading and the help that we need as parents in the words that we might say, the prayers that we might pray to and over our kids are just going to come as we connect with the heart of God. And that's where we need to start. Um, the next thing that comes to my mind for parents as we just look, as we look inwardly and as we say, hey, Lord, draw me near to you. Uh, God created me a pure heart, renewing me a steadfast spirit. Um, from there, one of the things that is that I'm passionate about encouraging parents in is that their kids would see from their parents, from them, the right priorities that we would re-examine as moms and dads what is really important to us in the lives of our kids. And one of the little things that I think is a universal truth, it's not just a parenting truth, I think it's a leadership principle. In fact, I, I didn't invent this. I believe I heard it from Andy Stanley years ago. But people see what we care about in the questions we ask them. They see what matters to us in the questions we ask. And when I talk to students, I'll often say, what? do your parents ask you about? What are they curious about? What do you find mom, you know, wondering about when, when you come home from practice, or you come home from school, what do your, what do your parents ask? Not what do they say, but what do they ask? And the most common one is, did you get blank done? That's the most <laughs> common question. Did you get your homework done? Did you get the list of things I needed you to do done? And it's not a bad question. And yet it reveals what we care about. It reveals what's important to us. Did you get your scholarship application done? And that says to our students, your finances for college are what's most important to me. Did you get your homework done? Did you get a good grade on your test? How did you perform in practice today? You know, we may not ask questions um, in that specific manner, but our questions reveal what we care about. And I, I love to, as I talk with parents, I'd love to just challenge them to really examine the questions they're asking their kid. Um, when you're driving home in the car from your sports practice, what if the first question you asked your son or daughter was, hey, who's one teammate that you'd like to pray for today? Who's mm -hmm. one person that you were out there on the field with that you just want to pray for their heart and their soul and their faith? And as a parent, you begin to demonstrate to your child that you care about the ministry and the mission of the kingdom that God has given your child. What if as parents, we, we eat dinner or maybe as we're sitting next to them on their bed before they go to sleep, if you have younger kids, you might do that. Um, what if we just look at them and say, hey, what's one way I can pray for your soul? And your kids are going to look at you and think, well, that's a weird question. <laughs> and you just say, you know, you're able to say, hey. You know, you've got homework and you've got sports and you've got all you've got friends and a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. And you've got so many things. But how can how can we pray for your spirit and your soul? 
where, what are you wanting to hear from God on? Um, how are, how are you wanting to grow? Um, you know, in our, our kids begin to have dating relationships and we begin to talk with them and say, hey, how can we pray together for your significant other? And what are the things we should really be praying for her, for him about? Um, when we talk about college and we talk to our, our students, you know, I would, I, I tell parents as often as I can, the most important thing for your student is they go up to college. And it's not that these other things aren't important, that, that the quality of their education, the fit for them, that, that how much they enjoy campus. And certainly the financial side is a huge, huge issue. We've got to help our kids navigate that. But I, in my opinion, our greatest priority for when our kids step out of our home is that they step into spiritual community. That when we visit college campuses with our kids, that we pause and say, hey, what, where are the people of God gathering and how can we be a part of that? And again, that's a question that we ask with our kids, that we ask uh, of our kids. And I think in the questions we ask, our kids see our priorities. Our students see what we care about. And, and I, think it, I think it needs to start as parents with re-examining our priorities. You know, when, when our student is trying to have success on the sports field, we have to be so careful that we don't begin to just worship and pursue and seek their athletic success, something that's so temporary, by the way. Um, and, and that we try to help our students see the incredible blessing of being so closely connected to other teammates that they can impact their faith and that they can bring the kingdom of God from heaven to earth in the context of that athletic team, that they can see their success as an athlete, as an opportunity to give God glory. You know, that we are helping our students have a greater vision of their purpose and their mission and their priorities, and that we're helping our students see that their faith and their connection with the God who created them is the most important thing in their life. Um, my senior pastor said this, and I wrote this down in my notes because I thought it was so well said. Um, my senior pastor is uh, Ron Williams, and in a sermon he gave, he said, your child's deepest need is their need for God. Their most dangerous delusion is that they can find life somewhere apart from him. And I really believe that so many of our students are falling into that delusion, that they can find life apart from God, that they can find life in a relationship, that they can find life in academic success, that they can find life if they choose the right college and the right major and they make a certain amount of money and, and that, that they can find life in these things. And it is their most dangerous delusion. They, their, their greatest need is their need for God. And I think as parents, we need to re-examine regularly our priorities for them, what really matters in our heart for them. And I think if we can look at the questions we ask our kids, I think that's a simple and practical way that we can begin to communicate the right priorities in our kids' life. There's one other kind of basic and, and foundational thing I would say uh, for parents. I think um, the what I observe as our kids get older is that spending time together with them gets way more difficult. It's so easy for that to just fall through the cracks. And um, as I have, a, I have a mentor in my life who I just look up to as a dad, he's an elder at our church. And uh, he's just a wonderful guy. Mark, you know him, his name's Dan. <clears throat> and uh, uh, Dan Book and I, as we talk, I am just amazed at how often 
Dan takes his kids out for coffee, takes his kids out for a donut, takes his kids out to lunch, one-on-one, how intentional he is about pursuing just little moments with his kids and spending time with them and how important that is to him. And I think if, if as a parent, if we would, um, if we would push aside everything in us that says my kid doesn't want to spend time with me, they just want to spend time with their friends or they just want to play video games. Um, I get it because all the indicators seem to communicate that, you know, Hey mom, Hey dad, I'm going to go out with my friend. I'm going to be gone. Can I spend the night? Can I go over here? Um, Hey, you know, you see that maybe they're, they got their headphones on and they're playing call of duty, you know, whatever it is. But I want to look at parents and say, the truth is your kid wants to be with you more than you realize your kid wants to spend time with you. And it it doesn't have to be eight hours a day, but if you can be intentional uh, with scheduling a time, just one-on-one to say, Hey, let me buy you a cup of coffee. Let me, let me take you to get a donut or get ice cream or, um, you know, my daughter and I, uh, once a month, every month we go out and we check out a new restaurant in my city, there's all kinds of different restaurants. So we just kind of go and you know, check out, check out a restaurant, go to lunch together. Um, and if parents, uh, Mark, you've been a great champion of this. It seems so simple, but if parents can push through the awkwardness of praying with their kid and really get into a rhythm and a routine of saying, let me pray out loud for you. And let me do that often in your life. Um, I think there is just so much value in those moments together with parents. And so just kind of walk back through those three things, Mark. I think our example is so important. Our priorities are so important. Our kids need our example. They need our need us to have, have and communicate the right priorities, especially if there are questions. And, and they need our time. And we really need to be intentional about pursuing our kids and spending time with them. The, one of the most difficult obstacles that I see in parents is, um, you know, when your kid hits a certain point, it's different for, for every kid, but um, at a certain point in their teenage years, your role in their life changes. Uh, Mark, you said this to me, actually. You said parents shift from the role of a parent to the role of a coach. And I thought that was so well said because, and, and it also just demonstrates the challenge that parents feel there, um, you know, where their kids are not necessarily looking to them as uh, the, the, the one voice that they want to listen to in their life anymore. Um, but as maybe you experience that shift as a parent into more of the role of a coach where you're not in the game with them anymore, you're on the sidelines a little bit, you're watching them play the game that's life and doing the things they do, yet you're still trying to coach them and direct them. Um, man, I would tell you, your influence is so huge as a parent in that role and in this season. And it may come a little more indirectly, whether it's through your example, through your questions, uh, just through little moments of just time together. But I think it's some of those things that really impact a student's life in this in these years, in, in uh, my opinion. So I'm sorry to talk so long, Mark. Those are just some things that are really heavy on my heart for parents in this season. Well, and one of the things, too, because I learned that principle of parent to coach. And if you're a good coach and coaches are sometimes hard on us, right? We all had coaches that made us do things we didn't want to do discipline. I mean, it had to were hard on us at times. We're encouraging to us, but the coaches that then we, the good coaches in our lives, we, I think we maybe had experiences with bad coaches too, like anything. And, but if you can be a good coach, that's who then you ask to be a mentor when you get a little older then. And the ultimate relationship as you are as a parent is if we can go from parent 
to coach. And then if I can be a good coach, hopefully they'll choose me then to be their mentor when they become young adults. And I'll just be a mentor for the rest of their life. And that's another role change because now as a mentor, you're only available when they call on you. And you're only able to mentor as good as the information you're given from them too, because now you can't even see them watch. You're not watching them play anymore. They're not in front of you anymore. They've moved out. And so, and I, that's the role now that I have with my daughters. I want, but I can only mentor her when she gives me, and if she only gives me part of the information, my mentoring may not be that good because I only have partial information. And so I've had to kind of tell her, like, I, it depends on what you tell me. I'll do my best with the information that I'm given. But that welcome to the whole parenting journey. But this was what I just feel we needed to hear from you. This was, I knew you would put it in a, I just, cause that's who you are. I knew that you'd come to us. And I tell you what, my friend, I point number one is still the one that we have to somehow help parents understand. Cause we always want it to be more about fix my kid, change my kid. It's all about what, what do I need to do? What to make my kid do so that they will have faith there. Our kids are going to love who and what we love. And I just wish parents, during the teen years, especially now, those are the years where they need to see you growing in your relationship. Quit asking them a bunch of questions. Tell them what God's doing in your life. Have they seen you get excited about something that you heard in worship, something you saw in the word of God, something that was new? Just if you just continue to show them what a real relationship with God looks like, that's going to move them away from, from Christianity as just church oriented they're going to see that you're actually in a relationship with God. Is the Bible the thing you love to read the most? Do you love going to worship or are you ornery going to worship every time? Like, ah, here we go. We got to go to church today. I mean, all of that makes a difference with, and our teens are watching us and they end up emulating that. And, uh, and even if they don't want to go to church then you just kind of say, well, I'm going, I mean, cause I, I can't not go to church. I just love Jesus. I love worshiping and can't wait to see what God's going to tell me today. And boy, oh boy. If we could get more parents to just do that. And I mean, and, and of course, a lot of us didn't experience that growing up, right? We didn't experience relationship ourselves, And so demonstrating that, exampling that, living that out in front of our kids, whether, and even if our kids stray, because you could do everything right. And you could still have a kid that walks away from the faith. You could still have a prodigal. You could still have... So, so let me give you a chance there. And this is a, this wasn't on your list of questions, but you have seen that too in your youth ministry program, kids that grew up in the faith and then walked away from it. And then you saw how parents maybe handled that or mishandled. What would you say to a parent that may have a kid that at one point did was, but now has walked away from the faith and the parent doesn't know what to do. What would you say to them? Yeah. I, my, my first thing that I would say to parents is I do have these conversations on, on a somewhat regular basis. The one I'm, I had a couple of days ago is along those lines, and, and I'm going to meet uh, with the mom and dad on that situation. And, um, you know, we start with the bad news. And the bad news is there's nothing that you're going to do. There is no quick fix, there, and there's nothing to be done that is just going to turn this around in heartbeat. And so we need to, we really need to get our minds off of that quick fix. You know, how can we turn this thing around? Um, even the best idea that we come up with is going to be something that takes place slowly over time in their life. I think secondly, we release control. We have to release control to God. And uh, someone said to me the other day, this is so impactful to me. 
Um, they said, um, if I'm going to, if, if you're going to pray about it, then don't worry about it. Don't bother worrying about it. Mm-hmm. If you're going to worry about it, don't bother praying about it. And, <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> and I thought about that and I thought, well, I don't do a very good job of that because I worry and I pray. But uh, really the heart of that statement was we, we lifted up in prayer and with a surrendered heart saying, you know, God, they do have free will. God, they, they do make their own choices. And I, I cannot at the end of the day, and God has chosen not at the end of the day to uh, change their will and to force them down the road. And I believe as parents and as we have, have moments with our kids or seasons with our kids, when they walk away from the faith, I believe when we begin to respond with patience and we begin to s- respond with a surrendered heart to God, just trusting in him, I believe the peace that, that our, our wandering kids see and sense in us actually becomes maybe the most attractive thing to them to come back to the faith. Then in addition, my heart for parents as their kids are walking through this is to plead and pray for God to bring new voices in new circumstances into their son or daughter's life that will either create an open heart that will give them a new opportunity to, to reevaluate their beliefs or their direction. And so this is something I pray for my kids from a young age on is that God would bring great leaders into their life that God would bring great friends into their life. And I choose to believe, and I would want any parent who's going through this to know that the battle is not over. By far, the battle is not over. I remember one of my most humbling moments as a youth pastor is I had a kid in our youth group, his name's Caleb. Uh, Caleb did everything that the youth group had to offer. I mean, everything. He went to every trip, every camp, every retreat, every mission trip that, that, we, that we did. Everything I offered him. And in addition to that, I met regularly with Caleb one-on-one. I mean, he and I would go out to Buffalo Wild Wings all the time. And Caleb would talk to me about his struggles. He'd talk to me about his heart for God. We have these great conversations. And Caleb hits his freshman year of college and he walks away from the faith. He actually begins to deal drugs. I mean, it was that bad. And I just threw up my hands and said, is anything I'm doing, even, even helping all this effort, all this time, all these prayers, all the, everything I had to offer Caleb, and, and he walked away. And I think as a parent, we can feel the same way. And yet just year after year, I saw that the seeds that were planted in his heart were not done growing. I saw that God was still working and I didn't, I didn't do much with it. I ended up officiating his marriage about five years later and Caleb had come back and had re-surrendered his heart to God. And so as a parent, I would say the battle's not over. Um, don't, no quick fixes here. Let's respond. Let's just be patient and loving and enduring. I would say, uh, let's approach God with a surrendered heart. God, my child is yours. God, he is in your, she is in your hands. Um, and then as we have that patience and that surrendered heart, and as we begin to pray and, and come before God for them, uh, whether it's for other voices or other leaders to come into their lives, I believe then the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit is going to open up small conversations small moments where we love them and encourage them is going to open up doors through our prayers where other people were, will do the same. And, and then the seeds that were planted in their heart through their childhood, maybe through their teenage years from youth group or from, from home prayer, home things, those will grow. I believe it. I believe they'll grow. I believe those students have so, uh, so much of an opportunity 
to come back and to return to Jesus. And I, I believe in my heart, we can have confidence that they will. All right. Now I'm going to give you one more, just because this one's on my heart. Um, I'm a parent of my kid is 16, 17. Now, where was this message, this inspiration for me? How do I start with my 17 year old? I have not done any of this before. This is, I'm just coming into my faith. I'm starting to, and I mean, and my 17 year old is going to think I'm, I haven't been a good example up to this point. I haven't been anything that, that they'd want to emulate or been the example. I haven't been, is it too late? Is it, I mean, what do I, what do you say to a parent in that context that this is all new information to, and they're starting to feel a little bit guilty or feeling like I don't, this is pro- I should have, I wish I would have learned this earlier. It's too late for me now. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know uh, exactly what would be in my heart for that parent. Number one is forgive yourself. None of us, it doesn't matter when you started, none of us are perfect parents. None of us do any of this perfectly. And, and really the message of Jesus Christ is, is a message that says God looked at sinful human beings who were hopeless and beyond repair. And instead of giving up and saying enough with you, God came to us and he pursued us and he came and became one of us. And he suffered and died uh, to pay the price that we could not pay, to do the deed that we could not do. That is the message of Jesus. It's a message of forgiveness. And um, and when it comes to all that we hope for and wish for and, and feel that we lost when it comes to parenting our kids or when it comes to what we what we would love to see happen, you know, in the coming years, if we were to turn things around, it is all built on the undeserved goodness of God. All of it, it's built on his, it's what we call grace. It's built on his grace. And I think we have to start by receiving the grace of God in this and saying, God, I don't deserve it. God, I haven't done it. God, I, I don't know what to do and I don't have the answers. And I can listen to Mark and I can listen to Brad and, and I'm still not even sure. And when we go to God for his grace and goodness, I believe that something is going to happen that we cannot explain. I think of uh, Hebrews chapter four, where, where it says we have this great high priest who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And that therefore we can approach God's throne of grace boldly to receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And it's through Jesus that we're able to approach God and receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And so I would tell a parent, forgive, just, just let God forgive you. Let his grace and goodness just wash over your heart. And then the second thing I would say is that, you know, as we look back on missed opportunities, we look back on regrets. Oh my goodness, I feel so many regrets as a parent already. I'm just like, man, I got I failed them. I think when we begin to come personally into this new relationship with Jesus, when we begin to surrender our heart and we begin to seek him and turn up the heat in our own faith, I actually think that what you will find as a parent is that your testimony that maybe is just now starting to be built and and really a testimony is just the story of God's work in you, that your story of the way God is working in you and changing in you is going to resound 
in the heart of your student because you know what? They've known you for the past 16, 17, 18 years. <laughs> they know who you were. They know what your priorities were. They know. And when they see the dramatic shift in you, when they see this new you come out, they are going to see it and hear it and sense it. And it might be the most powerful force for the, the revitalization of their faith that could possibly be given to them. And it's just your testimony of turning, turning your own heart towards God and beginning to, to experience through his grace and power a new life in Jesus Christ. And that testimony that you don't speak with words, you don't have it written down, it's the life you're now living is going to shake their soul at the depths of their heart. I believe that. And then through the power of the change in your own life, that is going to become an incredible force that will steer them back to Jesus Christ. And then again, I think you just begin today to do these some of these basic things that we've talked about. You just begin today as you are renewed in your own faith. You begin today to you know, to keep the heat up in your faith, to set a good example, to you know, go back and fight for your marriage. You begin today to, to reevaluate your priorities. You begin today to just pursue a little time here and there with your student, to be casual. You begin today, and, and you might maybe begin to do some weird things that your student goes, oh my goodness, we never did this. You might sit next to them and say, hey, this might be weird, but I want to pray for you right now. Just, just, would you, just, just a few, just a minute. I just want to say a quick prayer over you. And, and that'll feel weird and awkward, but then you just begin to do this and they just sense a sincerity in your heart. And it all begins to, to communicate and influence and ooze and pour out and off of your heart to them. And it really is a mighty power in their life. And so, yeah, that's my heart there. And you've seen it. And that, and that friends, is what uh, why I asked Brad to, to just join me for this podcast and to say, You've seen a lot, my friend. You've been through a lot. You've seen good, bad, indifferent. You've seen, you've experienced it in your own household growing up. You've seen things that work, things that you've seen transformation. You've seen, you had the ability to speak a wisdom that we, our listeners needed to hear today. And I, I couldn't agree more. There's almost, there's times that I almost get fired up when I hear a parent say, well, you know, my kid's 17 now and I'm just coming into this and it's probably too late. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's going to be nothing greater than your 16 or six. Cause now they're fully aware of who you were and now they're going to get to see you <laughs> every time they hear the word transformation and everything in the Bible talks about how you become reborn a new person. They're going to be like, I've seen that. That's my dad or that's my mom. It's like, that's true. And it's going to ring true to them, even if at first, and now realize it's going to take your kid almost two to three years to trust that this new you has changed. It takes two to three years to build trust in when you make a transformation. Don't expect them to trust it or believe it right away, but just know that as you stick with it, what an example that's going to set. And it is going to really make some scripture passages come, come to life for them that it will be like, okay, now I see that. That's exactly what happened to my dad. That's what happened to my mom. That's how it changed. So to me, that's, it's an opportunity that they have rather than don't, I love it. Don't see it as that forgive yourself and, uh, and, and, and move on and, uh, and realize you're a new person now and just continue to live in that new life. Well, thank you brother for your time. And, uh, and so we will certainly, uh, stay connected and thanks for all you're doing for students. Thanks for all you're doing for faith at home, always being there for us. The example you're setting for many youth pastors out there as well. 
And so it's been awesome to be with you. Why don't you close to our listeners? Why don't you close it with prayer? Because I know how much you love to do that. Pray. Why don't you just pray for those that are listening today? Whatever's on your heart to pray for them. Sounds good. And thank you, Mark. I so appreciate you and, and keep going strong with what you're doing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just uh, pause and we start with a grateful heart. God, we're just grateful for the opportunity to receive and give and, and just soak in some thoughts today that, that are so important. I got I ask and and plead and pray that you would bless the parents and, and maybe even the pastors that are listening today, that you would give them new encouragement, new hope, and a new sense of direction for how they can move forward today. God, would you build up their foundation of grace and forgiveness that they stand on? Would you help them to today, today to sense the uh, love, the depths of the love and, um, and forgiveness that, that you have for them and have poured out for them on the cross? And then, God, would you anoint them with mighty power in the name of Jesus to begin in, in maybe a new way or an increasing way to minister to their student, to their teenager, to their young person? God, would you provide the questions? Would you work in sacred moments? God, would you bless conversations and car rides and lunches? And oh God, would you show up on the scene in these parents' lives? And would you raise up a generation of young people who are connected to you, who are made new in you, Jesus, and who are telling the world the good news of a God who loves them and has not given up on them. Lord, we need you. We come before you humbly with surrendered hearts, inviting you in and inviting you close. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks, for Brad, for being with us. Uh, and we'll look forward to seeing you on a, on a future episode. God bless, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Here We Are, So Here We Go podcast with Pastor Mark Holman. For more information about this podcast, The Log Church, or Faith at Home Ministries, go to our webpage, herewego.fm. If you were blessed by today's episode and would like to financially support this podcast, please click on the support button at herewego.fm.